Hi everybody, welcome to the first ever episode of Digibyte and Friends. It's great to have you here. I am joined today by Craig from Navcoin. Craig, thank you so much for taking the opportunity to hang out and uh, talk about stuff. Yeah, no worries, man. Glad to be a part of this. Yeah. So you're from Navcoin. Uh, do you want to give us a real quick, like maybe a 30 second elevator pitch? How you got involved in it, maybe? Yeah, well, the history of Navcoin, I think, is relatively similar to, similar to that of Digibyte. We, um, you know, started around 2014, and we ran, started um, with no ICO and all launched um, just as a public permissionless blockchain, um, and a really community-driven project, right? Um, I actually came onto the project after it had launched. Um, just like, a, I found the project maybe a few months after it launched, and they needed some help, and you know, just as it goes with these community things, it's really up to the community to get involved. Yep. And if you see that a project needs help, help. And so I did. So I started contributing. And, you know, I'm a software engineer um, by trade. So it was I was able to contribute first, just helping to maintain the websites and just stuff like that. And cool. then sort of slowly get more involved into the actual blockchain sort of side of stuff. Because it's not exactly a, a small leap to go from, say, for example, programming a website into coding up a, a wallet or... Yeah, that was definitely the path for me was like website stuff and then into like user interface stuff inside the wallet and then using that as a gateway to understand more about the sort of peer-to-peer -peer decentralized mechanisms that are behind blockchain technologies. Nice. Um, and I suppose that's probably a really good lead-in for us because uh, you are with Navcoin, one of the other, like, there, there's not a lot of projects that are out there that have fairly launched in that same kind of a manner that have that same sort of a, a history. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about what's kind of, uh, I suppose, unique about Navcoin specifically, maybe around like your DAO, how you're doing all of your voting and things? Lay it on us. Yeah, well, probably a good place to start is like why we why it was created in the first place, right, back in 2014. So, you know, at that time we were starting to see a whole bunch of um, altcoins come through, you know. Um, there was, you know coins for the so many coins <laughs> coins for each season and color and all sorts of stuff it was crazy it was like the wild west it was but, it was a good time though yeah it was totally good um you know so <laughs> navcoin was launched through bitcoin talk forums you know yep. um as uh, everything was back then. the og yep. yeah and and we we wanted to well the ethos behind it as i said i don't actually launch it but i the thing that attracted to me was it uh to it was the the fact that it wanted to do proof of stake, which was pretty new back then. Yep. It also wanted to do fast transactions and fast block times as well, yep. fast confirmations. And it had a real concentration on um, privacy. So yes. in 2014, private privacy and blockchain was like quite a new thing. And that's one of the things that really attracted to me, me to this project was um, wanting to be part of something new and part of something that was developing new and interesting privacy projects. Nice. So that's kind of where it all started, um, and you know we we um, we've evolved a lot since then, to be honest. And you know we've, we're still proof of stake and all that kind of stuff, but we've been trying to we've been trying to add like more blockchain and more decentralized features as we go. Um, in terms of the privacy stuff, actually, we've we've um, we deprecated the original privacy option that we that we launched um, yep. back in 2015, and we've been working on some research stuff in that field at the moment. But some of the cool stuff that we have launched um, on the blockchain is the decentralized autonomous organization stuff. Yep. yep. So um, for people who are new who probably don't understand the acronym with with a DAO, decentralized autonomous organizations, obviously a mouthful and a half. Do you yeah. Do you want to let us kind of know what it is about that? What, what's some of the cool stuff that you're doing with it? And Totally. Well, I think just like to explain it a bit more, like what is a DAO, right? So we hear it referred to a lot um, in the industry, but it's one of those acronyms that people might not necessarily yeah, know or even really understand how yep. what it is and how it works. So I think just explaining it like, um, you know, any sort of public permissionless blockchain already is a form of decentralized autonomous organization i would say um what we're agreeing on through that organization is generally just the um, transactions right we're validating transactions in a decentralized and autonomous way a consensus of who's sent who absolutely what, and that's yeah. about it it's a consensus of the ledger right so we're through software we're making decisions around what's valid what's not and um you know we're agreeing as a organization on what the latest um current state of the blockchain Right. Sure. Yeah. So, 
if you take that concept, we can extend it to have other um, purposes, right? So, um, you know, we could use this computer network to decide other things as well. So one of the things which we introduced was the NavCoin Community Fund. Um, nice. where, where, yeah, we, we take, uh, how do I explain it? Half of the mining reward for NavCoin is two NavCoin per block. And we have half a NavCoin which gets burnt to this community fund. And it's effectively like a developer fund, but it can be used for other things as well. It's not just development, like we've had marketing ideas and all sorts of other stuff funded with this. Nice. But because we did the you know fair launch, no ICO, uh, community driven approach, even though our hearts are all in the right place, you know, like it's still, you know, we're competing with coins who have run billion dollar ICOs and have a lot of money behind them. So, you know, funding is always a difficult thing and we don't want to, you know, we don't, we didn't want to instigate something crazy um, where we take, where we try and mint new coins or, you know, try and sort of extract extra funds out of the, out of the, yeah. out of the blockchain directly. And it's not even about funding us. It's just about um, having this open, open funding model where actually anyone can apply. For um, the project as a whole, really, rather yeah. than just for coding coins stuff yeah the the sort of ethos behind it is that um anyone can apply for funding right so you could say you know it could have nothing to do with NavCoin. you could say i want to buy a six pack of beer if you wanted and you could submit a proposal and if the network votes to give you however many NavCoin or six pack of beer costs then it's yours i mean it's just gonna it, take down some notes over here one moment <laughs> it's it's what it yeah. really breaks down um for me as is removing the barrier of access to to get involved with these projects and find funding right right so at the moment if you look at another type of governance system and a DAO is like a governance system right you look at government like like democratic government yeah you have representatives and you have um, legislations that get passed and all this type of stuff but it's a very slow process and it's also you, just anyone who has a good idea, it's really hard to get that idea like through that process and become part of the law, you know? Yes. Whereas we're, we're talking about people being able to enact change inside the NavCoin ecosystem uh, without that barrier to, to entry. So anyone can create a proposal. Cool. They could go, you know what, I want to do this or I want to do that. And if the network agrees that, um, that that's a good thing for the, for the project, then it gets voted in. And, you know, you can submit it anonymously. There's no need to... You know, it doesn't have to come from a representative or, you know, like my a proposal from me has the same validity as a proposal from a complete new me. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So what we should have done is, is gone and submitted a proposal for a uh, six pack of beer for the first DigiBiden friends to come from the DAO. People can reject it if they think, nah, Joe's a little bit of a clown sometimes. <laughs> Let's not do that. Or they can go, yeah, actually, it sounds like a great way to start talking with people about both DAOs, DigiByte, about NavCoin, a whole bunch of stuff like that. So that's, and the network votes yeah. on it basically. Yeah, so so the way that, the way that we designed this was, um, so there are sort of other DAO funding models that exist. Um, some of them are more centralized than others. Some of them have uh, just a one-step process where like the network will vote and then the funds are immediately released. We did a bunch of research and we tried to figure out, well, what do we want to do? And one of the things was to make it fully autonomous. So there's no like, That's cool. there's no like, no one from NavCoin core needs to like approve and send money manually or anything like this. So no CEO authorizing everything. It all just happens completely autonomously. <laughs> if the network votes for your proposal and it passes, the miner who mines the next block after the vote has passed will issue you those coins. That's cool. So it's just completely autonomous. Nice. Um, so that was one of the big goals. And one of the other ones was to prevent malicious people from just robbing the fund, right? Yep. So we introduced this two-step process where you vote for a proposal and it has an amount. And if it gets accepted, that amount becomes kind of like escrowed. And then um, if I was running the proposal, then I could like um, put forward a payment request as the second step. And right. okay. could, if it's a small proposal, it could be like all at once. You know, I might just do the work. And then we, you know, let's say we did one for this podcast to sponsor it. Um, we could, we, we would put forward the proposal and get it approved. Then we would do the podcast. Yep. And then when the podcast gets published, the community would go, yes, you did the work. So it's kind of like you get paid in arrears, like it, like normal contractors do. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. You do the work and then you, you issue an invoice and then, the, and then the invoice gets paid. But at the same time, you're then preventing clowns from coming along and saying, I'm going to go and 
do everything under the sun and I'm going to take us to the moon yeah. and build a rocket ship and yeah. you're all invited and then not actually doing it. I guess you kind of be working around that by doing the two-step. Um, yeah. What sort of, do, do they still have to vote on that work subsequently? So for example, if, if we said to everybody, we want a six pack of beer for the first DigiBiden friends and then like what happens afterwards? Do they then basically request that kind of proof, I suppose, and then vote on that again to say, yes, we're actually going to give it to you. You did a good job. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's, there's two rounds of voting. One is to approve any screw the funds. And the second one is to release the funds. That's so cool. usually you do the second one after you've done the thing. Yeah. Or if it's a big project, you might go, look, I need 20% to get started. And then you can do multiple, right? So you could go, then I need, you know, then I'll show you some wireframes for the website I'm going to build, some planning, right. and I'll get another 20%. And then here's the designs, here's another 20%, and then here's the finished product, here's the last That's 20%. Cool. You can kind of structure them however you want, it's quite freeform. Nice. Um, but yeah, it's all completely autonomous and, and protected in that way where it's, it's, it's um, I like to call it proof of effort is the consensus model. You can't say proof of work, because that's already a thing. <laughs> yeah, sorry, we're using that one already. Proof of effort, right? Yep. So you've got to prove that, you, that you've done the effort oh, yeah. to, get, to get the money. You've contributed to the project in some way. That's cool. And now one of the other things that we were talking beforehand as well is you've actually started to do some more, uh, do you want to call them kind of like in-depth, some real juicy things with the DAO recently in terms of what can be voted on? Yeah, totally. So, I mean, we're just kind of at the tip of the iceberg of this DAO stuff, I think. It's, it's a super interesting field. Um, it's just kind of emerging at the moment, I think. Um, it's one of the things that makes it real exciting for me is that it's it's actually exploring completely new territory, right? Mm. Um, these types of organizations haven't existed on this planet before, yeah. and we're only like we we're just used it for for funding, right? And that's only one aspect. You got to think of it like what other what other things. Um, if this was a company, which it's not, but it's an organization, what other things does an organization need to do? Um, one of the things that we wanted to introduce. Um, is the idea of um, consultations. So, you know, we can put forward a community fund proposal. Let's say it's to change something to do with the consensus. And the way NavCoin works is all based on soft voting when we change consensus. Cool. So we might, let's say we want to change the block reward from two nav to three nav. We, we could code that up and we could put it into a new software version and give people, give the network the opportunity to upgrade or not upgrade or, right. you know, and then when the way soft forks work is that if 75% of the network um, wait agrees that, that they want that change, so they've updated to the software and they've flagged it as yes, we want that change, uh, then that would lock in as a change and then it becomes mandatory. Yep. So you get like a one week period where um, everyone who hasn't upgraded has to and get on yep. board. Yep, same for us with our Autocrypt upgrade. You've got that week stand down period just to give people a chance to catch up if they were kind of going, oh, I don't yeah. feel like upgrading and you don't want to kick them off the network so you get the opportunity to catch up. Yeah. yeah. So so this is great and this is a form of getting the network consensus on whether they want these changes to happen or, or not. But you know, when it comes to complex changes like uh, we're looking at introducing new privacy um, methods to Navcoin, which is quite a big consensus change. A big change. And it's a big change, you know, and there's a lot of debate in our community about it, you know. There's been some nice. vulnerabilities in like previous um, crypto encryption sort of methods. Even just recently, we've yeah. seen a bunch of them where they've Z printed coins off of things. Yeah, Zcash, uh, not Zcash, sorry. Uh, was it? No, yes, Zerocash. Um, there was a Zerocash vulnerability which affected Zcash, Zerocash, Pivx, and yep. whoever else. Yep. Uh, all the Pivx clients. So, you know, that was, and, and it affected us as well. We were, we were looking at implementing zero coin as with confidential transactions, like the bulletproofs that are used in Monero yep. um, nice. to, to provide privacy in Navcoin with a thing we called zero CT. And we couldn't do it. We had to backpedal on it because there was this vul fundamental vulnerability in the cryptography of zero coin, which was part of what we were working <laughs> on. So, you know, oh, no. we, we, we did all this research and even got it to the point of being in the um, pull request and like being reviewed and tested and all this kind of stuff. And we had to pull it. Yep. And these things happen. Yeah, right? yeah. But that, that raises a concern like around, around the, you know, no one wants their coins just to be devalued by random ones being printed. Yep. Like, it's pretty rare that this type of event happens, um, but it's still possible. So, you know, it's worthy of having a 
a debate and, and everyone in the community is has got a valid opinion and and um, is able to have their voice heard yep. but you know before we go down this track of um, of spending months and months of developer resource building this stuff and then testing it and you know all the stuff that's involved yep. it'll be great to get like a, a finger in the air kind of feel of yep. whether this is something that people want like a quick show of hands everybody who's here present yeah your name so effectively yep. you know yep. we're, we're looking to use these consultations as as ways of um, gauging sentiment of the network before we go to the bother of um, nice. you know doing research to put forward a community fund proposal to do the work to get it to soft fork. you know that could be a long period yep. and we just want to say hey what if we do XYZ will would the network like is the network likely to agree to that and Are approve the software yeah cool so you know we've got these options with these consultations and it could be to do with network stuff or it could be to do with completely off-chain stuff so we could say hey we're thinking about changing the nav logo from purple to green what do you think and we can just run these consensus votes that's and, cool. and they're all on the blockchain and it's all related to your staking weight basically sure so um the more Whenever you cast votes, you cast them when you mine a block, you attach like a series of votes to that about which proposals and which which consultations you're voting what for. And so the more blocks you produce, um, the more votes you have per, per period, basically. Nice. So the more coins you have, the more blocks you produce. Right. So the more blocks you produce, the more votes you have. That's quite so cool. It is cool. Um, it's just the same way as the proof of stake consensus works, basically. Um, How do you stop some rich fella from coming in then and basically going, actually, I, I, I like the idea now of upping the, the Bok reward or something similar, or something along those lines? Yeah, Is well, it still I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely something which is a concern. Um, one, of the, one of the concerns that we've been talking about actively in the community is um, a lot of exchanges are starting to stake with the coins that they have in deposits right. on proof of stake coins. Yep. And this means it's not like they still have a, they would still have a say in the sort of 51% attack type consensus of other chains. But with us, they actually would actively be voting on proposals and consultations or maybe not voting. Yeah. And then maybe that means it's harder to get other proposals through because, because, because the percentage of coins aren't voting on it right. or whatever. There's all these implications, yep. right? Yep. So you have to kind of think if there's a big whale that's got millions of coins and they start voting on things, the idea is that they should be voting in their own interest. Yep. And while printing more Navcoin is in their own interest, maybe in the short term, it's actually going to devalue their so devalue their investment yep. later on. So it's bad. So you kind of expect you, you come from the position of everyone should be kind of selfish and self interested. Yes. And they want the best for themselves, which means the best for the project. Yep. Um, and you hope that these sort of things don't happen. It, one of the issues could be something like the exchanges where they might don't have a necessarily like vested interest in your project. Um, being successful or not i mean it make they do somewhat because it make they make money they make trading fees fees and blah, yeah, blah, blah. Yeah. so you know that's it's not totally totally false that they do have some vested interest but i that's, think that's a good point people i mean i suppose the part of it being permissionless is you have to expect that people are going to be selfish and act in their best interest their own selfish interests but in saying that i i can't think of anybody who would go out there spend a truckload of money on a project and then devalue that for no reason devalues their own money i mean maybe some mad scientist who's doing it for shits and giggles but otherwise like yeah. the only viable solution i can think of is maybe well, the only viable thing would be like maybe just a straight up malicious actor like a government or a competing competing blockchain that maybe wants to ruin your day <laughs> but it's pretty unlikely i think yeah but still we have to think like this right yes. we, we 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 try and program these things uh with an adversarial mindset right so we think okay people are going to try and mess with us what do we do? How do we how do we anticipate that? And yep. how, how do we make sure that you know it's attack resistant? And that was the whole ethos of Bitcoin. You just look at that, man. It's been through the ringer. It's been through <laughs> so, like heaps of vulnerabilities, heaps of governments saying that they're going to ban it, and you know left you know the dark net and left right center, all these bad things. It's indestructible because it's massively censorship resistant and yep. has this adversarial thinking on lockdown. Yep. You know, it's such an important thing. But I like that what you've done with your DAO because you're taking it and so instead of just saying what we're going to do is give you the money straight away for everything, you're then requiring that they go and do some of the work or, like you say, proof of effort, first of all, before they, they get released. So you can't have people taking you for a ride and going, yeah, I did I did like a dozen podcasts and need a dozen beers for it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that that is a really good protection mechanism, and it's a bit of a proof of the type of adversarial thinking that we're that we're we're trying to do. We're not just trying to always replicate what other projects are doing. We're trying to look at them, take the best ideas, yep. sprinkle in a few of our own, and then come forward with you know just the next step. Yeah, that's, nice. that's kind of it. But the consult. So we got the community fund voting, then we got the consultations. Yep. Um, the the next thing that we have as well is at the moment, like if we wanted to make our proposal to sponsor this, um, we have to say like the amount of NAV we're asking for. Right. One of the issues that we've seen come up a lot is that people like the idea of a proposal, but they don't necessarily think that um, it, it needs that much NAV coin to get off the ground. Sure. So they might think, eh, like I like the idea, but I don't want to pay 25,000 NAV for your six pack of beers, <laughs> which is fair comment. Yeah. You know, so some really expensive beers right there. <laughs> so, what, so what this um, new new improvements has the facility to do is to is to um, set that the, the people voting are actually able to say, you know, I, I vote yes, but I vote yes um, for a hundred NAV for your six pack of beer, right, or whatever, right. So they get to. They get to attach more an amount, and then it becomes more like, uh, uh, you know, like a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You kind of just average the amount. Yeah. So it becomes more of a conversation between the person creating the the proposal, yep. and you know, it's like. Um, and, so it's not an all or nothing specifically. Yeah. So at the moment, if we if we did our one for twenty five thousand have coin for the beers, you know, people could go, I like the idea, but you know, I'm never paying that much, yeah. and then we'd have to write a new proposal. So this and, and submit it for a different amount after talking to the community. Right. So that proposal would get actively rejected by everybody, yeah. fall by the wayside, yeah. and then we'd have to go and do another one from scratch. Yeah. Okay. So you know, it becomes quite a slow process. You know, whereas. These things have a six-week voting period window, right. so we, we want there's there's always conversations happening and people are talking in the community, yeah, and they they might justify well you know these are really good beers, yeah, <laughs> this is going to be a great podcast we should get twenty five thousand now, you know, um, and and sometimes you know you can change people's mind and it becomes a bit about diplomacy and selling your idea to the community and getting them to understand the value of it. Right. But you know, sometimes it's just overestimating how much time it's going to be, and even your your concept might change. You might get, you might go. Actually, you know what? You're right, um, Mr. Staker. I think that I think that I could do it for cheaper if I took on some of your advice. Yep. So it, it opens that um, to become more of a negotiation than just a like, I want this much money. Yep. Yeah. And so they can vote on um, cool. that. That makes those prices value, malleable, and so we're able to not. Yeah, we're able to come to an agreement on on how much we think that. Right, so next time I'm not getting craft beer, it might be, they might say, look, sorry, you're, just, you're stuck with Coronas or something. Totally. <laughs> and, and that can happen dynamically as, as we're voting on the proposal. You know that's I mean? quite cool. So that's, that's one cool thing. And the other really interesting part is, um, I think, being able to vote on consensus um, parameters, basically, right? That's juicy. Yeah. So this is, this is a really interesting one. And, you know... In, inside the code base, we have a whole bunch of parameters. You have block time, you have block reward, you have confirmation um, time, all these kind of technical things. Yep. And um, we have soft forks going on, we have all this kind of stuff, and we're potentially able to adjust some of these parameters um, on the fly, depending on what the, the network has voted the last value of that to be in the consensus, right? Mm -hmm. So at the moment, if we wanted to update it, anyone could actually go ahead and update it. Navcoin is completely open source. We could say, like, you could come along and fork our code base and then just change the two nav per block to like 10 nav per block and then release a piece of software. And if the network upgrades to your version, then your version is the latest version of Navcoin. And now the reward is 10 nav per block. Which would require me to get 75% of all the staking weight yeah, so, behind it. So you'd have to convince the network and all the staking weight would have to agree. So, gonna happen. so obviously, no. <laughs> You'd hope not. You know, We've had yeah. many long conversations within the community about what the right type of inflation is and stuff like this. Sure. How much How much is competitive with other coins and all this type of stuff. So yeah. no, it, it probably would just get rejected. I don't think people would approve it. So, But, you know, the facility's there and the yeah. idea is to make it so that um, you know, these are, these decisions can be made by the network, which is often, at the moment, is reliant on developers to do the work. Yes. But now we're able to tweak some of these things. Like maybe we want we want to say, you know what, we want gigabyte blocks for some crazy reason, or, or we want. <laughs> I know, right? Every thirty seconds too. No. 
Or, you what know. Or, <laughs> <laughs> or, or, yeah, we want 100. Don't do that, just for the record, don't do that. <laughs> we That's want 100 nav per, per reward. Or, um, you know, like some of the parameters, one of the things might be like the, the DAO, the funding model, right? The, sure. the community fund. We might go, you know what? Now, that's, now that um, exchanges have come online with staking, we want to lower the threshold to vote to get, an, to get a proposal accepted because right. we're struggling to get them across the line because there's more coins, but not many of them are voting. Right. So we'd be able to like dynamically adjust that through a network consensus Without rather than having, having to, to release a new piece of software that's and do a soft cool. fork and like all this kind of crap. So the actual the software would be checking the blockchain for the layers consensus consensus rules yeah, and be able and to go, see over the oh, last we'll, six weeks we've been voting. Yeah, and we pull that percentage amount and that's then that's cool. what we calculate this voting period on. Nice. So it just makes it more dynamic and it puts the power of the system like back into the hands of the network again, which is really what it's all about. Like anyone, any good developers in the blockchain space should basically be working their <laughs> ass off to abscond themselves from all responsibility. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's really interesting that you mentioned that as well, because the similar sort of thing happened with our recent uh, Odocrypt upgrade. Again, similar sort of thing where you've got to get 75% of the network to all be voting on it over the period for us was uh, seven days. Um, and that actually happened without our founders, like direct involvement. He's, he's off at the moment, busy working on uh, a side project. Um, he's busy working on his book um, as well and so for the most part he wasn't directly involved in that and like you say that's that's supposed to be one of the goals for anybody any developer any coder any participant almost in the space that it should be able to function without you and that's what i really quite like about the the DAO, and especially the way that you bring it into your project overall not just to change certain consensus rules but also to kind of gauge the community feel beforehand and go hey guys roughly what are people feeling about about our logo? Yeah, totally. That's cool. That's really cool stuff. So it's it's really a governance model with um, effectively like referendums. You know, we're kind of holding like network referendums on on whatever decisions we want to make, and anyone can kick them off. It doesn't have to come from us. Anyone can can start this referendum. You know, that would be super cool to see it like a, a genuine government level as well, especially given the like the referendums that New Zealand here for people obviously who are uh, international. We're going to be having some referendums next year when we vote in the uh, new government. Um, but we've got to wait for another 18 months for those referendums to take place. And even then, uh, there's already been a lot of debate around the wording and things for you to be able to do these semi regularly and gauge the community's sentiment, feel uh, ideals and things and go, how do you feel about this? That's freaking cool. And yeah. to do it regularly as well. Yeah, I think it's a really powerful feature. Um, and this is just like the second evolution that we've come up with for this sort of decentralized autonomous organization. So, you know, and already that's is some really cool groundbreaking features. I feel like there's so much more to explore down this road. Yep. Like one of the, I mean, one of the things that, that I know is gonna become a hot topic in this area is how do you decide um, who's got a vote, right? Yep. Like at the moment, it's just based on our our network consensus, which is proof of stake, which means the more coins you have, the more the more votes you have. Sure. But that makes it effectively uh, like a sort of crypto oligarchy where the people with the most money have the most say. Yep. But they also should have, um, they have the most invested in the project. Yep. So you'd hope that they have the, the most um, vested interest in doing the right things for the project. Yeah, well, but, so it kind of comes back to before where you're not going to go out and spend a million dollars on buying Navcoin to then devalue it so that your million dollar investment is now only worth a hundred thousand yeah. dollars. You'd hope not. You'd hope not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, some some like there's other other ways to think about it, you know, like in proof of work, um, instead of using how many coins, you use how much hashing power to decide consensus, right? So how many computations per second you can do. So if that was to have a DAO, it would do the same thing. It would be basically the miners who are the ones who are voting in that. And that would be similar to how we do it with our, our miners are voting, but we're using, they're using computing power and we're using coin balance. Yep. Um, there's other ideas like, I know that there's other DAO, pro, uh, other people, you know, investigating and researching this DAO area. And some of it was to um, have it decoupled from your balance somewhat. So you have like a reputation score that's stored on the blockchain. Right. So there's some interesting things that you can do there, but I mean, it makes it kind of like less permissionless, I think, and more trustful. Like I could 
do things to game that system and build up reputation, maybe on multiple accounts or whatever, and then suddenly I've got like more reputation than one person should have, or yep. I have to identify myself and like do like proof of identification that I'm a single individual, almost like registering to vote, you know? And there's all these, there's all these yeah. other concerns that come with decoupling it from the pure blockchain mathematics. That was an interesting thing that I saw specifically around uh, votes and votes being cast on the blockchain is if you have to declare yourself and if you have to identify yourself and say, I'm Joe, this is my vote on a public ledger, then you can be swayed because people could uh, basically blackmail you into doing a vote a certain way. Yeah. Um, your vote is then made public. So even if you say to somebody, actually, I voted this way, when, when you realistically voted that way, they can see that you're lying to them and, and it opens up a whole different can of worms if you do have to make yourself yeah. public on a public well, ledger. Identities become a commodity, right? People might, yeah. um, you know, a really extreme, yeah. on the way extreme end of the example could be like, people might, if, you, if this became a whole thing and all governments were on like this, people might have human farms or like human trafficking where they like take people for the identity because then they can vote, yeah. use those identities to vote towards, towards stuff. So that's like, sci-fi level like in the, but then on the dystopian end of things but that sort of thing does happen i suppose in terms of people knowing uh if, if your amount that you have is public then we're already seeing that um i saw somebody who was um in actually let's not go into the country it was in a country and he was he was his family was captured and kidnapped and he was blackmailed because people knew how much money he had because they'd found his public address right. and they basically said we know exactly how much you've got send it to us so so the idea is i suppose um I, I like what you're talking about in terms of not having to have a reputation score for it because there's risks involved yeah there is there definitely is you know that's where potentially like privacy um things come into play as well though yep. um you know there's there's some debate in our community at the moment around like whether or not to um once we do implement private transactions to have private staking or not one of the concern, like one of the things about that is it's really awesome because it means that in, every time you stake, you're not doxing your balance you yep. know, and, and your votes are tied to your address and you know, it can make this whole voting system much more anonymous and yep. stuff like that. You start to alleviate some of the worries you're talking about, like people going, oh, that, that whale's voting this way. Like yeah. we should try and, you know, maybe blackmail him or, or figure out, figure out who he is and try and get him to sway his vote or whatever. Yep. Um, you know. But then there's a problem that if there's some type of um, issue found with the cryptography, if your staking is private and if someone's able to inflate that somehow through broken cryptography, they might be able to 51% attack your network real easy with fake coins. Yep. You know? So there's there's all these pros and cons and they have to be yes. really thought about. It's super interesting and it just buzzes, buzzes me out. For sure. And so I think um, especially that's not the sort of thing that, that often I suppose gets talked about, at least it's not the kind of thing that I've regularly talked about, but it is the sort of thing that being involved with this aspect of it comes up daily and you almost have to presume that everybody is adversarial and take that kind of devil's advocate position and say well what if the worst happens what if the worst happens uh, again similar sort of thing with us when we were looking at our odocrypt upgrade what if the worst happens what if this happens and i mean you, yeah you kind of similar to the whole a developer obviously needs to be actively removing themselves at all times the same sort of thing you've got to be presuming the worst at all times because it is a permissionless network you can't have a gatekeeper saying no yeah absolutely what's um tell me a bit about this this update that you guys are doing so what's going on yeah so we actually we completed it in uh the end of july autocrypt was a replacement of one of our algorithms which was um quite cool uh so this one is specifically fpga focused the idea being that we wanted to bring further decentralization and distribution. I actually just published some statistics recently about if you look at the last, uh, I think it was 86 days worth of mining, and we, we took sort of Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Digibyte, and we compared them and basically said, now that we've got this new mining algorithm in, the idea being that we can have more home miners and small time miners and the likes, how is our distribution going? And it was it was really, really good. Stats were looking great. Um, but uh, similar to Navcoin, we're, we're also very much a continuous development sort of project, I suppose, is probably one of the, the, the better ways to word it. Uh, similarly, like you say, we've, you've carried on going from 2014, adding, improving, changing, and, and growing. Um, we're also very much the same, and so that's where the, the curiosity, I suppose, around 
uh, staking has been for us because they were looking to replace one of those mining algorithms with staking. So it's fascinating to hear some of your insights there as well because it is directly applicable to us, especially as the community wants to, to look into it. Um, but again, then having the DAO and being able to go, yeah, okay, roughly only 10% only of people may be interested in staking for us, something like that would be really cool to be able to gauge that sentiment at the same time. Yeah, well, there's all these all these possibilities, right? Like, I think especially decoupling it from from money, like, you know, the type of DAO that you could introduce might not have the funding aspect to start with. You might go straight for the um, on-chain consultation model, mm. where you can run these sort of multi-choice or ranking sort of polls on your network. Um, I guess uh, we'd be going out to your, your mining network. Um, they, if it was following the same architecture as ours, then the miners would get to have their say on whether or not they want to change to proof of stake. Yep. I guess one of the things with, um, well, there's, there's quite a big difference between proof of work and proof of stake when you think about it, like in terms of the investment, right? So with proof yep. of stake, you invest in the coins yep. primarily, and then the computer system to run it's trivial, you know? It can be your home desktop or whatever. Yeah. Um, you just got to have it online 24 seven and Whereas with mining, often the, the, the investment is into hardware and you don't need to actually have the coins themselves to do the mining. Yep. Um, so you might find that maybe the mining network isn't so keen to throw out all of their mining equipment and, and buy coins instead. Yes. So, you know, you, you have these issues with like incumbent systems where yep. people are like, well, you know, I'm voting and I'm, I'm, I'm voting in my own best interest. Yep. But, you know, that, that conversation proof of stake versus proof of work aside, like it can be useful for so many um, we actually we had that it was quite funny because uh, so so in the lead up to the the replacement of the algorithms we have five algorithms five algorithms for those who aren't too familiar and each of them are competing for every single block simultaneously so we're a little bit different from the likes of say x16r where everybody's like right next block we're going to do this one and then next block we're going to use this algorithm okay. with us the five are all vying for that pole position every single time against each other. And so it was really interesting because coming up to the uh, lock-in for AutoCrypt, we could see that certain algorithms were less keen on the idea of the algorithm replacement. Uh, so we were looking to replace Myriad Grostel. Obviously, the Myriad Grostel miners were less happy about that happening, yeah. given see? the fact that they're about to be uh, made obsolete. Um, but we could see the SHA-256 and the S-Crypt miners were straight away like, you know what, that's actually a really great idea. And we, between them, uh, I think they each had around about 90 to 95% within like a week or something. Um, and each of their, their votes are roughly worth 20% of the block rewards. Give or take, yeah. um, so it, the fact that you mentioned that is, is uh, very much something we have direct experience with. And it was really funny seeing that uh, because we could see that there were initially some of the myriad Grostel miners that were behind the idea, even though they were going to be not able to mine with myriad Grostel anymore. So it's it's interesting and and this is i suppose coming back to um the the presumption that everybody is going to be acting in their own best interests um it's interesting because they're even though their own best interest would be to continue to mine with Mary grostel for the security of the network i'm presuming that a number of them enough of them basically decided yeah we're we're happy to take one for the team and swap out that algorithm with Totally. Well, you know, it's a, it's a complex co calculation as to what, what is the best thing um, for an individual. Yes. It's not always just like, you know, like we talked about before, it's not like increase the block reward to 100 to have a block, you know. That, <laughs> it's, it's, often people aren't that short-sighted, right? So I hope these, these people that are voting, even though it might cause them some short-term um, financial change that yes. they need to buy new hardware or they need to do something different or mine a different coin with that hardware or whatever yep. um you know they can see the benefit of, of the long-term results and overall think that it's it's a good move. yeah yeah um so that was actually really quite time that you kind of mentioning that as well so they're sitting there going i can understand that yeah <laughs> um did you want to also um have a bit of a chat with us about your um say for example your wallets and things what have you got going i actually i downloaded your your android wallet it looked really familiar because um, we use a similar one on our desktop copay yeah. Um, anything exciting happening there? Um, do you need to be running staking, I presume, from the desktop? From your 
core wallet? Yeah, well, we've got a few options, um, and we've got a few things under development in this space, I suppose. We've got the traditional, yeah, like core, core wallet, which um, is what the majority of people stake on. And it's either, you know, you've got the desktop, like, graphical interface version with Qt, or you've got um, the command line um, that you can run just through terminal. Um, beyond that, we used to have, um, like, a Raspberry Pi miner, Nice. Um, but our blockchain with blocks every 30 seconds, um, we've got so many blocks that the poor, poor little one gig of memory like, couldn't deal with it anymore. So we had to basically grandfather those. Yep. We've been working to... Um, <laughs> we know the feeling, unfortunately. <laughs> release, yeah. We've been... Re how, what's your guys' block time? 15 seconds. 15 seconds. So we're at nine and a half million blocks, and when you factor in um, XYZ kilobytes per... It, it basically, I think we're using 3.6 gigs or so at the moment, so 64-bit only. Yeah, I think the real issue comes just with the number of blocks. You have to load all of those block headers yep. from the database into memory, basically. Yep. So, you know, um, I mean, it's still not, we're not talking huge numbers. The average laptop has 8 or 16 gigs of RAM yeah, these days. Plenty. Um, yes. And we're talking about, oh no, this little 1 gig device can't. <laughs> like, you know, it's pretty edge case. But Com compared to, the, say, for example, EOS, which needs, what is it, like a terabyte of memory or something? It's, 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 it's anybody it's can change. change. Yeah. <laughs> But um, we've been working to to uh, release a new version of the software for the Odroid. Have you seen those? Yes. So, yep. so they're quite quite beefy for what they are. Yeah. Quite powerful. Um, so yeah, that's something that we've been working in the community to deploy. Um, I helped to build the first version of that new web interface for it, and so nice. I've handed the baton off to some of the community members who are working to get it as a um, like Debian package so that it can run on basically oh. any Linux system actually right and what that gives you is like a little web server that runs a web interface um, that talks to Navcoin core yep. on the device so like I can run it on a little headless device like a Odroid or another small server in my house and I can just log into it as a web page nice but and then, then I can send coins and receive coins and you don't have to SSH into it and muck around and be a terminal guru. Right. And you get the actual interface. That's cool. So yeah. that one's cool. And we've got, yeah, we've got the NavPay, which is the mobile wallet, which is, yeah, based off Copay. Yep. Um, and we've got that that works on as a light wallet on Android, um, as a native app on Android. Well, I mean, in the Play Store on Android. Yep. On iOS, we couldn't get it through the Apple Store. <laughs> so it's just a progressive web app that you can download by visiting navpay.com. Coin.org, yep. uh, or you can just use it as a web wallet. Um, yeah. cool. Or it's also a desktop wallet too, so you can <laughs> yes, so you can have it as a desktop light wallet as well. Completely understand having to battle the uh, the Apple World Garden. I the think powers I, that be at Apple. Yeah, yeah so for hours we had, tricky conversation. I'm pretty sure ours we've been submitting it for over nine months, and I think we were on our we were on a 25th or 26th time we'd submitted it. Yeah, yeah, I got it's not fun. I, <laughs> I got the old. This this application doesn't comply with our, our terms because it has um, you know uh, uh, unverified cryptocurrency or something in it. Yes. Like an un, unsanctioned cryptocurrency. And I was like, okay, how do I get sanctioned? They're like, can't tell you. It's like, yeah. oh, well, what? So I can't. You can, it can't even give me information to to like register our crypto so it complies with your thing. It's just it's really frustrating. We had several chats with them, several calls even, and one of our guys even went into the Apple headquarters kind of stood in the lobby right, and that's said, next level. guys, how do, um, they actually, they've recently changed their um, requirements and things, so it might, I'm not too sure when, like how recently you revisited it, um, no, but hit me up afterwards and I can I can help you with some of the pointers that we had as well. Yeah, so you guys are on the iOS store now? Yes, thankfully. Nice. Yeah, cool. That's awesome. Yeah, we could revisit that, I would say. Yeah. There we go. We'll put a proposal together and... Yeah, I know. <laughs> Put it into the community fund and see, yeah. what, see what happens. So there's that, and that one of the other things which I'm working on at the moment, which is a bit of a side project, because um, I've got a lot of, a lot of um, chasing a lot of rabbits at the moment. Got a got a lot of things to sort of work on and maintain with the Navcoin. Yep. Obviously, my main priorities: Navcoin Core and protocol developments and all that stuff. Also helping with some of the, the website stuff still, um, and keeping that going. But one of my side projects is uh, a thing called the Cowdy Wallet. So, cool. you like the tree yep. that we have here, big, strong king of the forest. Yep. Uh, it's like a the idea behind it is to have a multi-currency, um, open-source, privacy-centric uh, wallet nice. that features Navcoin. But you know, you can have um, like Bitcoin or Ethereum, and maybe one day Digibyte once it gets off the ground. <laughs> one, I mean, once my wallet gets off the ground. Um, good, good distinction. <laughs> um, that 
you know, we're looking to bring a whole bunch of usability features to Navcoin. One of the right. one of the big things that we've always said is we're trying to simplify cryptocurrency. Uh, one of the in jokes we have is that it's crypto for your for your mum or your grandma. You know, yeah. it's it's not quite there yet. It's still no. a bit a bit complicated. Yeah. But you know, we want what I wanted to do with with the Cardi wallet was to look at um, really how are people interacting with financial applications today. So you know, your banking application, how does it work? You've got accounts, you've got scheduled payments, you've right. got contacts, you've got this, that, the other thing. You know. Yeah. Um, and start to build some of those features that people are more familiar with in in banking apps yep. into a cryptocurrency wallet. So you can have a contacts list that's easy to use, like a bank one. You can have accounts where you might have like your savings that you put stuff there. You could like direct your staking rewards into your savings account. You might have that's cool. you might have that one protected by like two FA and a really big password. But you've got a checking account that just has like a couple hundred nav in it that's just protected by a pin number. Yep. You know. So these types of convenience nice. things. Um, and looking to build that in at a wallet level, and I kind of thought, well, if I'm doing this, this is real awesome, and I want it for my Navcoin, uh, but I also have a bit of Bitcoin and, and you know Ethereum and other things. So like, why not build? Because those are just UI features. Why not build a wallet that has all this cool banking style capability, but have it so we can add more currencies to it? It's not nice. just Navcoin. So it kind of heroes Navcoin. Yep. But um, yeah brings those benefits to other projects That's as well. cool. It's one of the things as well that I, I've actually regularly talked about on some of my other um, podcasts and even specifically on like my morning um, Digibyte updates is again, um, I like to kind of bring it up. Like you say, the, would, would your mom use it? What, what does your mom get out of it sort of thing? That's, that's what I've kind of mentioned a number of times. And at the moment, sure, like if mom's into speculating, great. That's like cool for mom, cryptocurrencies are jam. But there is so much that we need to simplify so that you can bring it to the masses so my my grandma sends me a message today on facebook messenger and she goes hey so i've heard about this bitcoin thing oh shit and i'm just going <laughs> this is this is just going to go pure shit because the fact of the matter is, is i know that she's uh she's a lovely old lady but trying to explain a public key and a private key to her is just not it's not a recovery phrase explaining that to her is just not going to work when she can't even remember her email password to sign into gmail half the time so yeah well it is it is tricky you know i think that like especially for lower um market cap coins um you know it's really hard to compete in the sort of um direct payment space with incumbents like bitcoin for yep. example you know they're already in millions of shops um it's it does make it quite difficult you know, we can, yeah. we can, we can look to try and onboard new users, um, and try and onboard payment gateways and convince shops to accept it and all these types of things. I think that there's a fundamental thing that we actually have to reel back a bit from and just go, hold on. What we actually need in a lot of these projects is more developers to help build these features that yes. make it easy yes. and, and more infrastructure <laughs> providers that are doing things like securing the network, yep. you know? So, a lot of our efforts in terms of um, marketing and, and the way we talk about Navcoin and this community fund, you know, kind of admit that, yeah, we, we are trying to make this stuff easier and make these cryptocurrencies like an everyday payment network. But, you know, we're not there yet. And actually, you know, a lot of the funding proposals and stuff that we see, see through are actually um, more targeted at, you know, um, developers, yep. getting them to participate and getting them paid for their work. And, right though and also um yeah like sort of advanced tutorials like how to set up staking boxes and, and this type of stuff you know what i mean and these sure. these types of marketing communications so they're, they're the two big target groups if you can get those two really really strong in a project they're going to sort of feed off each other and mm. they're also gonna just naturally attract you know stores to want to implement it because it's got all these cool features and it'll slowly get easier to use so more and more people will, will do it yep. and when you're ready then you can do big push out to the mass market yeah which again is great because you've got your DAO. you can have those rewards so if somebody happens to get on national television or they want to run some ads on radio or whatever you've got that funding for them if people think yeah. that it's a viable option like a, a cool little one like you know this we meant like something like half a million nav coins per year into the DAO, which at 10 cents a coin isn't that much money right no. so we're not doing these massive national like tv promos yeah. or whatever at the moment you know when nav coins if Navcoin goes back to ATH of it was like five bucks a coin, you know that's a whole different game. That's 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 a lot of money in there. That's at, at, at the 
not our, but you know, at the community's disposal to improve the product and also also promote it. Sure. Um, but at the moment, we're seeing more like really neat, like grassroots things happen. Like um, an Uber driver, I can't remember which city, but he's um, he's put like iPads on the back of the seats in his Uber, and he's been sponsored by the community fund to run like Navcoin ads um, while he drives his <laughs> Uber. Around. That's awesome. So, you know, and yeah. that's not that expensive. I think he's already got the iPads or whatever. It was yeah. just about creating the, the ad to run yeah. and then, you know, giving some him some money to, to yeah. compensate him for what he yeah. would be doing for missing out on playing other ads, perhaps. Sure. So, you know, like there's, that's and, cool, and that's just like a little thing. He was like, you know, just like, I need a couple thousand nav to like do this thing and I'll do it for like a couple months and drive him around and, and just promote it at a real grassroots level. That's awesome. Well, on the development side, we've had stuff like um, we run two bounty programs, basically one for Navcoin Core and one for helping to maintain our websites. Cool. So if you're a web developer or you're like a C++ developer or you're an aspiring C++ developer or web developer, you know, there's anyone can sort of get involved. Yep. But um, there's these bounty programs where we got 25K instead of instead of having every little change needing a six week proposal funding request to get through for like a hundred nav to update one line of text on the website or whatever, you know, we sort of wanted to, um, consolidate some of that. So sure. we got 25 K for each fund Yep. and then one's made the website one is maintained by me and the, um, core bounty fund is maintained by Alex. Nice. And then for small tasks, um, you know, we can assign out bounties and get people to contribute that. Cool. So even if you're wanting to get involved, but you're not sure, you don't have the skills or the understanding of the community fund and stuff like that, you can basically just jump on these bounty programs as a developer. Um, either there's, you can go onto the, the GitHub's, well, so all the information's on navcoin.org under the bounties page, but um, you can go onto the, the GitHub's and look through the, the issues lists yep. and they're flagged with um, bounty reward amounts. Nice, that's cool. Um, or if you've, the thing as well is that it all shouldn't be coming from us, right? If you have a cool idea for a feature or, or you see something wrong with the wallet or website or whatever, you can go and put an issue in and then request for a bounty assessment. Right. And then we can attach one and then you can go and fix it. Nice. Yeah. So that's cool. It's designed to be kind of self-starting and help that kind of self-maintaining sort of feedback. To bring people on as well and hopefully yeah. broaden the developer base. Totally. Nice. Awesome. Um, well, I think maybe we should wrap this up. Thank you so much for, for coming on the first ever DigiBiden Friends. Really enjoyed having you here. It's been great to learn about everything from staking to the DAO and community feedback and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. So it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for covering a fair bit of ground there. Yeah, it's been great. <laughs> awesome. Um, yes. Um, so if anybody is um, curious, uh, these are going to be semi ad hoc. Feel free to tune in, hit the like, subscribe, stay tuned. Uh, we're going to be doing a bunch of different things similar to this. And again, a big thank you to you and to Navcoin. Not for the beers, but... Uh, maybe next time. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having me, man. We'll put in the next one. Thanks a lot. Appreciate All right. it. Cheers, everybody. Two.